right, let's get our Bibles out to Luke chapter 3, Luke chapter 3, and this can be, we can finish on time as we uh, normally get out about just at the hour. Uh, Oh, we have, uh, uh, of course, we uh, we had some gifts we gave out for Father's Day. I know at least Brother Randall was not here this morning. You got it? Any, any other fathers? Not future fathers of, uh, of America. We're limited. I think we have three left. Is that about right? All right. We'll consider that. Somebody, if a non-father would like to purchase one, we can let him go for... Okay. Okay. So we have three. We we don't have to. You think of anybody else like that? Flats? I don't know. Okay. Luke chapter three, beginning in verse number one. I'm gonna read the preacher here. Does your Bible have a little um, a little title on the top of the chapter there? Mine says, John preaches repentance. John preaches repentance. John chapter 3. Pastor Dave did a great job leading us in that new song this morning, newer, newer song to us. And Miss Emily did a great job uh, playing. Um, thought it turned out well. I was a little, little skeptical putting a new song in and unfamiliar. And we want to have a smooth day, but, and then tonight he acted like he didn't know, make me a blessing, but I, he fooled me on that one. <clears throat> Luke chapter three, the Bible says now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, uh, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip tetrarch of um, Eudorea of the region of Trachonitis and Lysanias, the Tetrarch of Abilene, Annas and Caiaphas being the high priest, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. Of course, this is John the Baptist. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the words of Esaias, the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low. And the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid under the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Let's pray. Father, I need you this evening. I pray that you'd communicate through me. I pray that you'd fill me with thy spirit, empty me of sin and self, 
And Lord, help me to be the spirit-filled preacher that I desire to be, that you desire for me to be. And Lord, I pray you'd help us, help us to make spirit-filled listeners. And Lord, may we receive your word uh, as, as fertile soil. And may you accomplish in our hearts that which you uh, choose. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. Thank you for a good day in your house. Thank you for our family's health. And uh, Lord, we, uh, we thank you for your goodness. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> Nobody could have listened to John the Baptist preaching and left uh, wondering what they were supposed to do. John uh, was bold and John was to the point. And John was a, a prophet of, of prophets for the most part. He was a preacher. And, uh, but he had a, uh, pretty much a one word message that he was preaching. And that message was to repent. Um, in this message that we read here, he gives some examples of, uh, the importance of, of repentance and, and how it ought to transpire. And, uh, in, in this passage in particular, though, John talks about cutting the tree down. That's not bringing forth fruit. And then uh, he emphasizes the fact that uh, there should be fruit in the life, uh, ultimately, of a Christ follower. Um, and so John's purpose, though, we understand, was to prepare the way for Jesus' ministry. And repentance, a true-hearted, uh, a, a, a true repentance unto God, is key to making room for the seed of God's word to take root in our hearts. I want to give some definitions of repentance here uh, by way of introduction. The 1828 Webster's Dictionary says this regarding repentance. It calls it sorrow for anything done or said, the pain or grief which a person experiences in consequence of the injury or inconvenience produced by his own conduct. In theology, the pain, regret, or affliction which a person feels on account of his past conduct because it exposes himself to punishment. This sorrow uh, proceeded merely from the fear of punishment is called legal repentance. Um, I'm still reading the 1828 Webster's Dictionary uh, definition. Uh, as being excited by the terrors of legal penalties, and it may exist without an amendment of life. An illustration uh, of this repentance, this idea is this. Uh, I'm sorry that I stole uh, because it landed me in jail. I'm sorry that I did this because now I got to pay this fine or I got to suffer this consequence. Now, the difference, the, the idea there is the, the conforming rather than not transforming. True repentance is transformational. Uh, true repentance is life-changing. Uh, a second definition I want you to notice, real penitence. Sorrow or deep contrition for sin as an offense and dishonor to God, a violation of his holy law, and the basest ingratitude towards a being or infinite uh, of infinite benevolence. This is called repentance, and it is accompanied uh, and followed by an amendment of life. Another definition. Repentance is a change of mind or a conversion from sin to God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7, it says, Godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation. And so we understand that repentance needs to take place. A person needs to understand their sin condition. As I mentioned this morning, 
There, uh, I've, I've run into people, and so do you. Oprah Winfrey is, is known, a public figure known for saying, God loves everybody, and, and basically all roads lead to heaven. Well, that is true that God loves everybody. Not all roads lead to heaven. Um, uh, there, there is only one way to heaven, and, and it's, it's acknowledging our sin and uh, that uh, Christ died to pay the penalty for our sin and turning from that and in doing so, turning to Christ uh, there. And so repentance is the relinquishment of any practice from conviction that it has offended God. Um, I heard another preacher, I heard a preacher say, uh, say this uh, definition of repentance. Repentance is an inward change in the heart and mind. It is turning from sin and in doing so, turning toward uh, God in, in uh, the effect there. And so there are three Greek words used in the New Testament to denote repentance. Number one is this, the verb uh, uh, metamelomai is used of a change of mind, such as to produce regret or even remorse on account of sin, but not necessarily a change of heart. This word is used uh, within uh, the reference uh, to the repentance of Judas in Matthew 27, verse 3. The other Greek word is this. So, all that to say, that first repentance isn't the transformational repentance we're talking about. Uh, that, that brings uh, the, uh, the, the fruit of revival in our lives. Uh, the second word is this. It's metaneo, metaneo. It means this, to change one's mind and purpose as the result of after knowledge. Um, this verb is used of true repentance, a change of mind and purpose and life to which remission of sin is promised. A true sense of one's own guilt and sinfulness, an apprehension of God's mercy in Christ, an actual hatred of sin, and turning it to God, a persistent endeavor after a holy life and walking with God in the way of his commandments. And so I want to ask you the, this evening as we get started, do you want personal revival? Do you want to know that you are in tune with God and that uh, you are being spirit-led and, and you are having a, an intimate personal uh, walk with a holy God, uh, then I believe uh, the Bible teaches that personal repentance is essential in, 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 in getting our slates clean and uh, getting our lives restored in fellowship uh, with God when we have gotten out of sorts uh, with Him. Uh, forgiveness is involved. Uh, forgiveness is involved towards others uh, or, and their transgressions toward us. Forgiveness doesn't release the offender of the consequences, but it releases the offended of the harboring bitterness in the person uh, that is struggling to forgive. Uh, God tells us to repent, but then he also commands us to forgive as well. And so uh, as we look at this passage here, uh, the title of the message here this evening is Fruits of True Repentance, or the Fruit of True repentance. How do we know if there is true repentance that is taking place in our lives? How do we know if, if uh, repentance has taken root uh, so that the, the fertile soil of God's word uh, can help produce the good, desirable, desirable fruits in our lives? 
What, is re, what does repentance look like? In John chapter 3, verse 8, John says this, Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance. When John the Baptist challenged his listeners to prove their sincerity, he said, bring forth fruits of repentance. He asked them a simple question. Uh, the, the people, uh, they asked him a simple question in response. They said, how? How do we do it? How do we, uh, what shall we do? How do we show repentance in our lives? And so John the Baptist in this passage, he addresses about three or four different people groups, different categories of people in addressing this idea of uh, the definition of how they can repent in their lives uh, for uh, fruits uh, that are uh, of eternal value. And so John answered the question by giving four instructions, and these instructions can serve as a uh, standard or a, a, a sheet, a, a list of fruits of repentance, but not necessarily as we look at somebody else's life, but as we examine our own lives to see if uh, there is true repentance in our lives. Number one, I want to give you this list uh, that we can examine, and uh, we'll wrap it up here this evening. Number one, uh, we ought to desire uh, to have a repentant heart, and a repentant heart is a giving heart. A repentant heart is a giving heart. Look at verse number 11 of chapter 3. Verse number 11 of chapter 3. <clears throat> verse number 10, and the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? In verse number 11, he answered, saith unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And he that hath meat, let him do uh, likewise. And so a repentant heart will share. A repentant heart is a giving heart. A, repent, uh, a repenting heart is, uh, is selfless. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's gracious. Uh, a repentant heart shares freely and gladly without compulsion and with compassion. If we're experiencing, if we've experienced repentance and if we're producing fruits of the spirit, uh, the fruit of the spirit in our lives, we're going to be giving and compassionate. Christian giving is the humble fruit of a repentant heart. When we're repentant, we recognize that everything we have has been given to us from God, and it's an extension of grace. And God desires to use us as channels to funnel that grace to other people. As we've received that grace and as we've experienced that grace in our own lives, we ought to be channeling it to others. We know that we're not worthy of it. None of us are worthy of grace but we'll more easily release our grip on material possessions and we'll delight in serving as a funnel to pass on what we've been given uh, to others as we've been given uh, by God. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 10, verse 8, he says, freely ye have received, freely give. Acts chapter 20, verse 35 says this, it is more blessed to give uh, than to Receive, And so uh, I think, first of all, we see here that a repentant heart is a giving heart. A repentant heart is a giving heart. It's not a stingy heart. It's not a me, me, me. It's not a selfish. It's, a, it's understanding that there are needs and uh, being that channel that God can use to funnel uh, his grace. Number two, a repentant heart is honest. 
a repentant heart is honest. Look at verse number 13 of our passage. Actually, let me read verse uh, uh, 12 here. It says, Then came also publicans to be baptized and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed uh, to you. And so, um, a repentant heart is honest. Uh, we can gauge the sincerity of our repentance, I believe, by the transparency of our integrity. A repentant heart is transparent. A repentant heart is honest. Repentant hearts can't bear dishonesty in words, in actions, in covering of sin, in questionable practices. They, they've, they, they're transparent. They've laid uh, the fragility of their hearts on the line. They've, they've, ex they've been exposed. And so they want it to get all out there. They want, it, they want the truth to be known. And, and so in words, in actions, in covering of sin, in questionable practices, uh, they've got all of their cards on the ta table, proverbially, gamblingly speaking. <laughs> their hearts are exposed, and in so doing, there is nothing to hide. A repentant heart is an honest heart. When the publicans who were, who knows what a publican was, one of the responsibilities, Brother Steve, tax, tax collecting was involved a lot of times, though, uh, too there. And so uh, when publicans, not Republicans, okay, uh, maybe some Republicans, but um, asked, when they asked uh, John the question, what would be the fruits of their repentance, he didn't hesitate to cut to the chase. He said in verse number 13, exact no more than that which is appointed to you. Don't take any more than that which you're supposed to have. Don't skim off the top. Don't pad the pockets. Uh, I was uh, watching a documentary on uh, who was the guy that did the Transcontinental Railroad. Anybody know his name? Um, started it, but that guy got caught. He's he's part of the. He's probably the main reason why the country got into a Great Depression, uh, because he he took a hundred percent of the profits uh, of of uh, he took a hundred percent of a hundred percent of the. Pro he took 200% of the profits that he was only supposed to receive. He wasn't even supposed to be receive 100% of the profits of the railway. Railway, But I forget his name. But anyway, um, I say that to say this. Uh, there, there's honesty involved. A repentant heart is honest. I think I uh, would have loved to deliver this message to the publican, somebody who's trying to collect tax money to me. Uh, from me, you know, uh, everyone knew the publicans, uh, they padded their pockets, but when they collected taxes for the Roman government, um, uh, this despicable practice was overlooked by the Romans while the people suffered uh, from the extortion. And so a repentant heart isn't satisfied until all of the sin, visible and hidden, lawless and overlooked, until it's been confessed, till it's been forsaken. Uh, uh, to the uh, to the appropriate uh, party, and uh, a repentant heart gets it all on the altar, and then from there the repentant heart will insist on honest and transparent dealings in every relationship that they endeavor to be in. A repentant heart is a heart of honesty. Any relationship that's 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 going to flourish or or that's going to be uh, of of of. of of good value. It requires honesty. 
and we see the fruit of repentance. One of those is that of honesty. A third fruit I want you to notice with me this evening is that a repentant heart is merciful. A repentant heart is merciful. One of the things the Roman soldiers would do as a, uh, as a trick to gain some extra cash from uh, the uh, citizens, uh, more than likely uh, uh, Jewish citizens, I don't know if they're called citizens, but Jewish people, uh, they would walk up to an unsuspecting person, a wealthy person, and they would accuse them of a crime, and they would, they would start their accusations and uh, accuse them of stealing or what have you, and and uh, they would loudly intimidate and roughly uh, threaten to take him into custody for the crime. And if, uh, if they did it right, there was a good chance that that person that was being victimized would pay them, uh, would pay them off so that they would leave them alone. Well, a repentant heart is merciful. The Bible says in verse number 14, And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely. You know, since we're not Roman soldiers, we uh, probably haven't done anything like this necessarily. I don't know. Uh, maybe you have. But, uh, but um, uh, have we falsely accused somebody else? Have we held vengeance in our hands or attempted to intimidate those uh, who have wronged us? Have we, uh, have we thought the vile thoughts? Have we thought the wicked actions? towards somebody rather than giving it to God and casting the cares upon him and letting him handle it, uh, the one who can truly handle the situation. Have we been peacemakers in, uh, in all of our relationships where we could be? A repentant heart is a merciful heart. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 17, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. I think I've told you, I think I may have mentioned this story to you before, and uh, back in uh, California, it's been some time now, uh, when I, I think I was going to Bible college at the time, well, my brother had a buddy that he would hang out with, and and uh, this guy would do. They, we've all done done, we've all done dumb stuff, but uh, this guy had done some dumb things, and one of the things his friend had done was steal a car, and um, my brother happened to be hanging around this guy at the time, and and uh, the guy who's got his car stolen, um, he uh, came over. Uh, learned that my brother was a friend, came over and had uh, threatened and come into the house uh, where, where he was living with my mom and, and the friend over there, him and his buddy, and did some threatening and, and uh, things like that. And my brother honestly had nothing to do with it other than uh, not, not having, you know, a good uh, uh, influence uh, of a friend at the time. And so, um, <clears throat> but anyway... Um, I learned about that and I was so, the, I knew who the guy was. He was a little bit older than me and, and, uh, man, it was all I do could do, uh, being a big brother, obviously you want to defend your, your brother and being a little brother, you want to defend your brother. That's just what, what you do. And so I remember I learned about that and I drove over to the guy's house and, and, uh, I said this, I, 
I didn't find the right guy, but I found a guy that was involved in it, an older guy. I wasn't going to do anything to the older guy, but I said, heard you came over and you did some threatening at, at, at our house, my mom's house. And he, uh, it didn't, didn't go real well. Nothing, nothing ended up happening other than me leaving. Well, I gave it to the Lord. A little bit late, but I gave it to the Lord. Should have done it sooner, sooner than later, I, I suppose. But I called out to the Lord. I said, Lord, you handle this situation. I want my brother to know that I love him and I support him and I've got his back. And that guy had no right coming over to the house with my, and my mom being there, single mom, and, and this situation happening there. And Lord, I give it to you. Would you handle the situation? Well, some time passed, and I learned that the, those two exact guys that came over, they ended up going to a bowling alley, so doing some partying and stuff, and, and this gang of uh, people in Barstow, California, ended up putting both of these guys in the hospital. And uh, my mom called me up. She said, Sam, did you have anything to do with that? I said, no, Mom, I did not have anything to do. That's all God right there. And I uh, reminded my brother of the situation. They're okay. They didn't die or anything. But, but God can handle situations better than we can handle in our own flesh and in our own vengeance and anger. He says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. A repentant heart reveals, uh, revels in God's mercy and freely extends the same mercy to others. A repentant heart isn't accusatory. A repentant heart is humble. A repentant heart is meek. A repentant heart is merciful, number three. Number four, and lastly, a repentant heart is content. A repentant heart is a heart uh, that has contentment. It's content in the things of God. It's content ultimately in God, in Christ. John gives another instruction here on his order to the soldiers. And in verse number 14, he says this. He says, <clears throat> he says, uh, I'll read the whole thing. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely. Uh, and he says, continues on, he says, And be content with your wages. And so we see here that a repentant heart is a, a person who recognizes that all he needs is found in Jesus alone. A repentant heart understands that, that it's in Christ alone, uh, that, uh, that revival. It's, it's in Christ alone where, uh, where the fruit of the Spirit is truly uh, able to flourish and understands uh, the truths in the song of Jesus is all the world to me, and I'd rather have Jesus than anything, than silver and gold, and, and uh, to be the king of a vast domain. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Contentment is found in Jesus Christ. Uh, true repentance, the fruit of true repentance, is uh, contentment. And so, Instead of chasing materialistic possessions, instead of trying to fill the void in, in those materialistic things or, or in certain uh, maybe events or certain activities of life, certain substances, it's not found in any of that. It's found solely in Christ. The repentant heart hungers for Jesus. The repentant heart desires 
Christ uh, to be the center of his life. I, uh, I have a tractor. I listed my tractor for sale recently on the marketplace and, and uh, trying to get some profit out of it. I used it a couple times, but I think uh, everything that I will do in the future, I don't need uh, a loader bucket. Um, and so if you guys need any more plowing, let me know before it sells, I guess. But um, I put it uh, for sale or trade, and I listed a few different things uh, that I would trade for, a motorcycle, truck, uh, different things like that. Uh, one of them was a Harley. Well, I got a message from a guy that would trade me this awesome Harley V-Rod. He reached out to me. V-Rod is like the equivalent of a, of a racing bike. It's not necessarily the cruiser. I like the cruisers better. Well, uh, this thing was uh, listed at like $15,000. I texted it over to Zach, who works at the Harley dealership. And, and I said, Zach, this guy is offering to trade me this thing. And I said, what do you think? He said, I don't necessarily like the V-Rods. But I said, um, is it worth 15000 is what he had it listed as. And um, he said, yeah, it's, list, it's worth that. Maybe even more with the work that's been done to it. It has a stage two kit. That means it has uh, bigger, better cams or something. And uh, it's an anniversary edition bike. And, and so, man, I was getting all excited thinking, even if I don't keep it, I could always sell it and profit off of it from more than I uh, paid for it for my tractor. And so I was all excited. I took a friend over, uh, Brother George Ramp, to, to look at it. And he said, yeah, it's a different bike, but, but that thing is... It's a valuable bike for who really wants it. I rode it, and I'm for it. Well, the guy comes over, I think it was yesterday morning maybe, uh, first thing, and and uh, takes a look at it. And and so I'm getting my hopes up. Yeah, I'm going to have this thing where I make a good profit on and stuff, and I'm counting my chickens before they hatch and, and counting my money, my dollars, and I'm going to sell this and get this, this, and this. And... and my, my focus was all on this item. My focus was all on this materialistic thing. And yeah, I want to be a good business person. I don't want to be a good steward and, and this. And I believe that's scriptural uh, and, and, and stuff. But, but we ended up leaving. He's all, you know, my bike is worth quite a bit more than your tractor is. And he says, I don't really need the bucket. I would probably cut the bucket. Well, the bucket is like the most valuable thing on the tractor. And so he was real nice and everything, but I wish he would have told me this information before he came over. I mean, he saw the pictures. And so all that to say, uh, after the deal fell through, he's like, you can pay $5,000 and I'll do the trade. I don't have any money to give you for this thing. I don't even. Well, I had this feeling of discontentment. I had this feeling where I was brought really low and like, man, I was bummed out. And I had to refocus and, and, uh, and the Lord, I think, was just teaching me, reassuring and encouraging me. You don't need that stuff there. I'm, I'm all that you need. And I know that, and I know this may be a dumb illustration, but uh, I needed to remind myself of the fact that I need to find my contentment in Jesus. I like things like anybody else does, but contentment is found in Christ. And I don't think... I don't think the world, I know the world doesn't understand contentment in Christ. I know the world uh, doesn't understand the true peace and contentment that only Christ can bring uh, to the heart of a believer. 
and the repentant heart will find peace. So as we close this evening, I want to ask you these questions. Are, are you repentant? So I haven't done anything, Pastor Sam. Things come up in our daily lives. We can get bogged down with sin, and we can open the doors of our, uh, of our hearts and in our lives to certain areas of, of, of sin and uh, demonic activity. But I want to ask you this, are you repentant? Ask yourself this, am I giving generously? These are fruits of repentance that we see from the Word of God. Am I honest in all things? Am I merciful to others? And then lastly, am I content with Jesus in Christ alone? If you're like me and convicted that these aren't always your habits, remember that there is forgiveness at the cross. And we can give uh, this to the Lord. We confess our sin to the Lord and we offer to him a tender and repentant heart. He can make way for that fertile ground uh, to, uh, for revival to take place in our lives. Repentance is the solution in which the Holy Spirit delights to release his power. And that's why repentance always precedes revival. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you that we can...